Hello? Can you hear me? All right. Good morning, Lake Church. Man, it's good to be in front of you guys this morning. I have the great honor and privilege of sharing God's Word with you today. I just want to say thank you to my pastor for this opportunity uh, and for the vote of confidence. It, uh, it means a great deal to me, and I hold it in high regard. Um, what you guys see in front of you is a person who is operating in open reward. Is that I would not have chosen this for myself. I would prefer to be the jokester, the good time having guy. I spent a lot of my youth having fun all the time, have a good time all the time. And so my former self tends to try to reintroduce itself when these opportunities come. Jesse, what do you have to share? What do you have to say? Remember what you did? But I have to fight that battle of faith and say that's not who I am. That man is dead. And the wrestle of faith throughout my time walking with the Lord has begotten opportunity to walk in what he's designed for me to walk in. And I'll tell you right now, there is no greater fulfillment than to operate in what God has designed you to operate in. There are momentary times of physical and emotional, fleshly appeasement as far as achievement I reached this goal, I made this much money, I influenced this many people, but nothing will ever, ever, ever touch the fulfillment and the satisfaction that comes from walking in the anointing of God and fulfilling the purpose that you've been designed to fulfill. Do I have a lust for the pulpit? Quite the contrary. Because I understand the gravity of what's being asked of me. I understand the accountability that I will have to present myself in front of the throne of God. An answer for what I said. An answer for what I say to you this morning. An answer to what I proclaim in faith across the globe. Do I have a lust for the pulpit? No. But I appreciate the opportunity. And I relish it with great delight now that I'm up here. And I want to speak to you in a manner of uh, a member of this body. I've known a lot of you a long time. We've gone to this church a long time. Others of you I don't know very well, but I'm getting to know you better and better, especially through Train Bible College. I'm so grateful for that and the relationships that I continue to build with you guys as students and and, and people that help administer God's vision through that school. (coughs) Hallelujah. 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 So I want to speak to you as a member of the body, as a part of the family. All right? So I consider this a a family get-together. Amen? It's a family get-together. We're here together as a family and as the body of Christ. And so as a member of this family... I'm going to speak to you from the standpoint of, you know, I can't say that I'm your father spiritually. That role belongs to Pastor Greg and Mama Karen. But I can speak to you from the role of an older brother. Some of you, it might be that cousin 
Some of you, it might be that crazy uncle. But I speak to you from the standpoint of I'm you and you are me. We're together. We're in this thing together. And I care about you deeply. Even if I don't know you. Even if you have to remind me of your name four times. I care about you deeply. I love you all. And so that is what has birthed what I need to bring forth this morning. So bear that in mind. I love you. I'm coming as an older brother. Anybody have older siblings that took you aside and said, trust me? Anybody had that? Anybody actually heed that advice? That older brother or the cousin that you get along with or that crazy uncle that takes you aside and said, listen, trust me, trust me, trust me. All right, that's where I'm coming from this morning. So I want you to know where my heart is this morning. Turn with me to John chapter 10. I want to share some things with you this morning that are um, prevalent because of what we're so acutely aware of on New Year's Eve, and that is time. The rest of the year, we cast it out and we forget all about time, but for some reason, New Year's Eve specifically, not even really New Year's Day, that's how quickly and how resolute we are. But on New Year's Eve, we are acutely aware of time. So we need to seize this opportunity as we are acutely aware of time And make that time count for something. Amen. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you have life and have it more abundantly. The word life in the Greek is zoe, and that means life as God has it. In its absolute fullness, without limit, Forever and forever. Beyond just the length, eternal life, it also talks about the quality of life. Zoe, life as God has it. I don't know about you, but I, in my mind's eye, imagine God having pretty sweet life. So we have to understand that Jesus came to give us abundant life. Abundance in every area. You guys getting warmed up? All right. Abundance in every area. That's a good spot for an amen. All right. I'm an older brother this morning. Come on, guys. Sometimes my younger brother and I have to go. So in the I'm giving you guys one of those right now, okay? That's a good spot for an amen. Amen. Thank you very much. So Jesus came to give us life and give it to us in abundance. So abundance is more than just your finances. It's also your health. It's also your mental state. It's also the favor that you enjoy among men and women and the influence that you have. And it also has to do with time. Okay? The issue is, abundance is not achieved. It is stewarded. Abundance is not achieved. It is stewarded. Okay? And so, listen, I'm an older brother, okay? You got to love me. You look a little nervous now. But listen to me. Many people are not abounding because they are poor stewards. 
So people have financial issues because they're poor stewards of money. Jesse! Hey, trust me. People have health issues. Now, I'm talking about beyond an attack or beyond opposition. I'm talking about stewardship. Many people are unhealthy because they're poor stewards of their health. Many people have poor relationship status because they're poor stewards of relationship. And I'm here to tell you this morning, as we're acutely aware of time, many people don't have enough time because they're poor stewards of time. And so out of all of those things that I've listed, health is eternal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Prosperity, that's eternal. Mm -hmm. Family, the body of Christ, relationship, influence, that stuff, that's eternal. Time is finite. It's the one resource given to us that has an end. That's why we're so acutely aware of it every year. Is because even if we're not cognizant of it, even if we don't make the appropriate adjustments and act like we believe it, on the inside, the Spirit is bearing witness with us You need to make better use of your time. Amen. Third John, verse 3, the Apostle John is speaking to those spiritual children that he's begotten as pastor, as sage, as mystic, as prophet, as apostle. And he refers to them as children, my little children. It gives me no greater joy than to see my children growing, right? But before he says that, he says, beloved, uniquely beloved. As in, I, you're so beloved to me because you and I are one. Uniquely beloved. The same type of love, uh, language that God uses in reference to Jesus Christ. My only begotten son. Uniquely beloved. John says, beloved, I wish or I pray, my greatest desire is that you prosper and are in good health even as your soul prospers. So what he's saying is, Your level of prosperity and abundance is directly proportionate to the level of your revelation. That you gain revelation directly from the Spirit of God and it manifests itself in health, finance, relationship, favor, all of the above. You start with renewing your mind and you gain revelation and directly proportionate to that revelation is the zoe that you experience. You with me? So we have to be stewards of time because it's the one resource that we continually look at as a burden instead of a blessing. That's key number one. It's a paradigm shift. My brother and I were having a discussion the other day, and he had, he, he's dyslexic, so he has a hard time with directions, and if you say north, south, forget it. There's, he doesn't know. He doesn't remember where he lives half the time. It's G, thank, praise God for GPS. But apparently that's pretty prevalent with dyslexia, especially if you're going to look at a map. There's uh, <laughs> There's no heads or tails of it. So, instead, you have to tell him what he'll see if he's gone too far. And in my mind, I'm like, wait a minute. Why don't you just look for the landmark you're looking for? Either way, it's a landmark you're looking for. If I tell you what you'll see if you went too far, that's a landmark. Just look at a different landmark. It's a paradigm shift. So, we're so busy looking at time as a burden... When we need to be looking at time as a resource. Amen? Because, 
Look at uh, Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. And before I go there, just I want to take a little sidetrack. As we were singing, God, you're so good. There are a lot of people that are in prison right now. Not literally in an earthly prison, but a prison for their mind. And as Paul and Silas began to sing the goodness of God, what happened to their prison cell? Everyone know this story? They began to sing praises unto God in the midst of their being in prison. And the result was not only their freedom, but the freedom of everyone around them. Isn't that right? So there are people that are in a prison in your mind, locked into what has always been up to this point, locked into what people have said about you, locked into what you have surmised about yourself, locked into circumstance. But I'm here to tell you, in the midst of your prison cell, begin to proclaim and sing the goodness of God and watch! Watch the chains fall off. Watch the bondage fall off. And as a matter of fact, there is a rise of opposition coming from the kingdom of darkness with such audacity and arrogance as to think that it can derail the plan of God. And I'm here to proclaim to you, if you want to pray to your God, do it. Pray to your God. Do it. Pray to Satan. Do it. And we'll see who God is. You guys tightened up on me. You guys tightened up on me. Do it. What do I care? I serve the God of gods. I serve the true and living God. We're going to have to get to that point. You want to come against God? Do it. <laughs> Do it. And guess what? God's for me. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, guess what? I have faith. So I'm pleasing to God. Regardless of my behavior, my behavior reflects my belief about myself, but belief and faith aren't the same thing. I have faith in God Almighty, the Creator, the one that has laid down His own life and shed His own blood in my place. That's how much my God believes in me. That's how much faith my God has in me. You want to come against me? I'm a servant of the Most High. All right. In Luke chapter 19, this is the parable of the pounds, and I'm going to summarize because I've got a lot more to go. Jesus is, all right, you got to understand that everything that Jesus did in his ministry was law. Everything that he did, everything that he demonstrated and did was old covenant. But everything that Jesus said was new covenant. If it's red letter, it's covenant language. So Jesus is proclaiming the truths of the kingdom of God, which is here now. That's why Jesus came, was to fulfill the law, so that the kingdom of God could come and reside in us on the earth now. The kingdom of God is here now. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's within reach. All you have to do is receive it. You have to take ownership and receive the kingdom of God, which is here now. Amen. So Jesus is proclaiming the realities of the kingdom of God. And he says that there was a, a, a nobleman who was going to leave to be crowned as king. And he was going to return. And in the meantime, he left his servants in charge of his resources. As stewards. And when he came back, he inquired of them, 
what'd you do with my money? What'd you do with what I left for you? And the first guy said, well, the five that you gave me, I doubled them. They're ten now. He said, praise the Lord. And he says right here, I will make you a ruler over ten cities. The next guy he says, what'd you do with my stuff that I left with you? He said, well, I took the five, or I, you know, I took the, the, the five and I turned them into ten. Or You understand what I'm saying? You get the point of what I'm saying. It's in there. Read it. The point is, he was a steward of what he was given. The first guy doubled his. The second guy doubled his. The third guy did nothing at all with his. As a matter of fact, hid it in a napkin. And in, in Matthew, in that account, he says he buried it. It's still the same parable. It's still Jesus conveying the same truth. The guy took what he was steward over and buried it and did nothing with it. And he said... I was actually kind of afraid of you because you're, you know, pretty strict, you're, you're hardcore, you're hard to deal with. Uh, I didn't want to make you mad. And he said, if you understood who I was, and if you were that afraid of me, you would have at least put it in the bank so it would earn some interest. So it's a picture of the stewardship of the kingdom of God versus the squandering of the kingdom of God with legalism and religion who proclaim to know God but have no clue who He is. And when you're bound up with religion and legalism, you bury what God has given you as a resource. Now what is that resource for? It's not for you. It's to further the kingdom of God. The entire reason God created the heavenly realm from the realm of light. God exists in a realm all on His own. It's called light. And from the realm of light, He created the realm of heaven. Do you know why He did that? So that there could be a realm of participants in His agenda. And so then he created the natural realm so that there could be further representation of God in another realm so that we could carry out God's agenda. And while we're here carrying out the plan of God, he's given us everything we will ever need in the spirit realm. The Apostle Paul says that. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places of the spirit realm. You'll have everything you'll ever need to accomplish what God has in mind for you. And as a matter of fact, has written down in a book in heaven concerning what he's got in mind for you to accomplish. What he's furnished you with in order to carry it out. And the grace he's put upon you with the ability to do it. God has plans for you that will blow your mind. You know why? Because the Apostle Paul also says in Ephesians chapter 3, he says that it's according to the grace given. He, he talks about now to God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly anything that we think or ask. Do you realize that God can think things that we cannot think? He can think thoughts that we are literally unable to think. Even if He told us what was on His mind, there are areas of intelligence and wisdom that we can't just cannot he can think thoughts we are unable to think so his thoughts are so far beyond what we're able to even imagine he wrote it down I said, man watch this richard is going to blow some people away watch this i've got some i got some stuff in mind for sharing I got some stuff in mind for Tom. And it's beyond what you can think. I led off with, could I ever imagine myself in the pulpit ministering the, the gospel of the Lord, of Jesus Christ? My mom's over there like, <laughs> I was a, a rapscallion. I was a ne'er-do-well, hoodlum, shenaniganizer. 
But in spite of all that, because of what God has written in my book, Amen. So what I need you to understand is that there is the resource of time that Jesus has gone to receive his kingdom, to be crowned king. And he will return. Just like in the very end of the book in Revelation, he says, surely I come soon. Bet. Bet. I come soon. So he will return crowned as king and we will have to give an account for what we've done with what we've been given so it's about time the big picture is about time I had Mark do up this slide with those colors because it takes me back to the 70's and I know you can't tell by looking at me because of my youthful appearance but I remember the 70s pretty well I remember anybody used to go to Denny's and like the asterisk looking flowers that used to be carved it was all these different crazy colors and the seats were orange and brown you remember that time exists differently for created beings than it does for the creator God exists Outside of time. That's why he can be in the future and in the past at the same time. We as created beings experience time in such a way that we can also be in the past at the same time we're right here. When I think about Denny's, I'm there, man. I remember that. I remember when I was five years old, four or five years old, just a pup. And I remember laying in the booth, my mom, and I would put my head on her lap and she would stroke my hair, you know. I remember that vividly like it was yesterday. As a matter of fact, I'm there right now. I can see it. I'm there. (laughs) Am I alone? Do memories transport you? So you can be at two places at once. That's how God is in the future and in the past all at the same time. He exists outside of time. Even though we are created beings, we experience time, not in a linear way, but in a circular way, cyclical way. So, watch this. Anybody have um, remembrance of when they were young and you, you, when I was a kid, we were going together. Now, Now they say you're dating or it could have been in, you know, going steady or whatever you guys used to call it. You remember that? So back in like junior high, sixth grade, seventh grade, right? And so, man, I've been going with her for a month. And it just seems like an eternity. Man, we've been together. We've been going together a month. And so as... A junior high kid, man, a month is an eternity. Because you've only lived so many months. That's why babies scream the way they do. That's the most uncomfortable they've ever been in their entire life. Yeah, think about that. So when you're a kid, and man, a month, holy cow, an entire month, and you have a month anniversary. But then you tell your parents, and they're like, a month? Has it been a month already? So our experience, we experience time differently due to our length of existence. Okay? The devil is a created being and experiences time in a way that we do not because the devil is ancient and what seems to us a lifetime decades decades or even centuries or even millennia the devil is like time is flying by right Okay, why is that pertinent? Because in 2 Peter, Peter says, listen, 
There's going to be an end to all of this. This all comes to an end. God's going to burn up the earth and the heavens and the entire universe. It will all be burned up. And he's saying, wait a minute. It's good. It hasn't been that way. Things have been the same way they always have been. Because, and Peter says this, they are willfully ignorant of the first earth age. If you look at Second Peter chapter 3, he's talking about the three earth ages. The first one is the one that we discover. We come upon the scene in Genesis chapter 1. The reason the earth is void and without form and the Spirit of God hovered across the face of the waters is because that is the end point of age number one. God has already destroyed the earth one time with flood. Peter says this. Then God destroys the earth again with Noah. You guys remember that story? I know you know that one. So that brings about the second earth age that we're in now. That's why God promises not to flood the earth again. He's already done it twice. The third earth age is when this earth and all the heavens and earth, the entire universe is burned up and God starts all over again. That's earth age number three. So Peter is saying, you guys know this. You guys know this. You're willfully being ignorant so that you can sweep the passing of time under the rug. He said, if you believe that, if you believe that God will do what he says he will do, and I'm, trust me guys, trust me, he's going to do what he says he'll do. If you really believe that, then you would live in such a way that that could happen in any moment. Right? So that causes us to take stock of what we're doing with what we have. Amen? There is a time limit. We have to understand that eternal life is not a reward. Eternal life is not the reward. Eternal life is a gift. Eternal life is a gift. And by definition, a gift is unearned. It is not a reward. It's a free gift extended by grace. Received by faith. But there is a system of reward in the kingdom of heaven. That's why Jesus said, what did you do with my ten? I turned them into twenty or five or ten. You understand what I'm saying. Listen to what I mean. I doubled what you gave me. What did Jesus say to him? I'll make you ruler over ten cities. The reward always, without fail, will far and away eclipse the price. Without fail. It will eclipse you won't even remember what it cost you. You guys understand, all right, in Job, do you understand that the picture of Job, the, the book of Job is the big picture in a nutshell? Okay? Satan presents himself to God along with the other angels, meaning Satan is still accountable to God. But he has a certain amount of time in which to do what he wills. So Satan presented himself, the Bible in Job calls him the accuser, presents himself to God with the other angels. And God said, where have you been? Now, God knows where he's been. It's the same question he asked Adam. Adam! Where have you been? It wasn't because he didn't know. It was so that Adam would be aware God knows. I know you know I know. God says, where have you been? And Satan, oh, you dirty dog. He says, I've been doing what I want. Coming and going. In and out. Checking stuff out, prowling, paroling, patrolling my kingdom. God says, oh, while you've been out there, have you considered my servant Job? Now, people say, God says, 
Have you considered Job because maybe Satan hadn't thought of Job yet? Oh, you know what? I hadn't thought of Job. Good thinking. God says, have you considered? It's the same language as where have you been? Have you considered? I know you had your eye on Job. And the accuser begins to accuse Job of only serving God because of prosperity and that God's hand of protection is upon Job. You lift your hand, I guarantee you, Job will curse you. And God said, want to bet? Because that's not the way it's going to happen. People want to say all that stuff happened to Job because he spoke out his fear. God, or Job was in fear. What I feared most has happened to me. Well, yeah, certainly don't operate in fear. Don't allow that to open doors for a foothold for the enemy to help you squander your resources. What was God's response to the accusation of Job? Now, the enemy can only accuse you to God. Who's he, who else is he going to accuse you to? He's the accuser of the brethren to God, the holy judge, the judge. He's accusing, he's trying to prosecute you and prosecute me. Did God say, Job's pretty good except he's operating fear, so I mean, I guess do what you want. No, no, read Job. God said, I know you've had your eye on Job because he is faithful, because he is upright, because he intends to do well and good and serve me, because Job's heart is toward me, because Job and I enjoy intimacy. You understand that Job was a prophet. How else would he know my redemption draws nigh? He heard it from God. God told him, he's a prophet. My servant Job only and continually serves me. That was God's response. That is God's estimation, and that's what God sees when he looks at Job, and it's what he looks at, and it's what he sees when he sees Daniel, and what he looks at when he sees Jesse, he sees my good and faithful servant because of the blood of Jesus. The devil said, if you took your hand off of prosperity, of prosperity off of him, he would curse you. And God said, no, he won't. But, I mean, it's your, I mean, it's your time. Legally, Satan is allowed to do it. Because of the earth lease that Adam gave him, legally, Satan's allowed to do it. So, Satan struck down Job and his family and everything that Job owned, not God. We have to understand that everything that's in the Bible is truly stated, but not everything is a statement of truth. Because now you see the next 38 chapters of Job and his friends trying to figure out what Job did wrong. And that's the life of religion. That is the life of legalism. Did God strike Job down? No. Satan struck Job down. So 38 chapters later, God from the whirlwind said, What is this nonsense that I'm hearing from someone who clearly has no idea? Job, be a man. Sit down. You're about to take some medicine. That's exactly what he says. Be a man. Answer if you can. Were you there? Did you set this? Did you weigh that? Did you put that in motion? Nope, sure didn't. Did you do this? Did you name that? Did you cause this? Did you initiate that? No. Do you know how much it? No. God lets him know. Job, you don't know anything about what you're talking about. So Job, in the midst of all his calamity and and downtroddenness, never accuses God of being the oppressor, never accuses God of being the withholder, never accuses God of being the one that struck him down. Never one time. So at the end of the time, God restored Job 
to double what he had before. The reward will always eclipse the price. You have to see that it's the big picture. God bestowed abundance upon Job. Satan stole it. Job remained faithful, and God was the rewarder. All right? It's the same thing as what we're currently experiencing in this age now, the the church age. We are meant to do the most that we possibly can with the grace of God and the empowerment of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to reveal it what we're able to do, what we're capable of, I'm I'm telling you, it's beyond what you can imagine. You can't even think the thoughts God's got in mind for you. But praise God, where formerly I had not seen and ear had not heard and heart could not conceive, that's not true anymore because the Holy Spirit reveals it to us. Our time, Paul says it in Corinthians, is a test. All of our natural life on this earth is meant to be a test. And it is the process of refining. And at the end of it, we must give an account. We'll have to stand in front of the the throne of God. And God said, well, I gave you this. And what would you do with that? And you won't be able to go, oh, come on, God. I mean... Come on. No, you will have to answer for that. Each and everything that God gave you, each and every opportunity that God gave you to use what he gave you, you will have to give an account for that. But the reward far surpasses the cost. Do you understand that Everything that you do in the natural body, everything that you do from natural birth to natural death will pass through fire. And what that means is not literally fire where it's going to set it on and, and, and consume it in the literal sense. But the inspection, the thorough inspection, God will thoroughly inspect each and everything that we did. And that's the trial. He's trying, proving. And if it passes and survives the inspection... Great, but everything that does not pass the inspection will cease to exist. So, the level of revelation and the amount that you achieve now in this life as far as for kingdom business to do with what God has given you determines your eternal state. You will be rewarded according to what you've done in this life now. This is the process. People go, man, I wish I could get there. That's not what this life is about. You're not going to get there in this life. You won't get there. This life is process. This life is refining. This life is testing. There are three areas of testing. If you are experiencing abundance and prosperity and you're having a, a, a and your way is being made prosperous and you enjoy favor and things are going well, God is testing you with what you will do with perfection. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were being tested with perfection. The enemy will test you. If it's adversity, if it's coming against you, it's the enemy testing you. The enemy will go, you see, you, you say you believe that. We'll just see about that. So the enemy tested Adam and Eve, and they failed the test. We test. In Romans chapter 12, Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? So that you can discern, you can put it to the test, so that when you walk it out, you will see, you'll discover, you'll discern, it will be proven unto you, you will discover, and you will go, it's all true, it's all real, it's all real! 
So it's a series of tests. And so it depends on your mindset in regards to how you look at testing. Some people dread tests. Oh. And some people, like, man, we might as well take that test and see what happens. That's mine. It's like, well, I know it or I don't. Let's see what happens. And there's no real anxiety there. There are other people that, man, I can't wait to take this test. Because on the other side of passing that test is freedom. Amen? So you never age out of the testing process just because you've been going around that same mountain for 40 years. Just because you've been wandering around that desert for 40 years. Just because you keep running into that same wall and you keep doing it, keep doing it. That's the test you're going to keep taking. Amen? Until you change your mindset that testing brings reward. We can buy time. Did you know that? One amen. You can buy time. The Apostle Paul says, act in such a way that you understand the brevity of time, that you understand the time that we're in. Walk in such a way that you remove yourself from amongst the world that no one will look and mistake that you're asleep with the rest. And you redeem time. Redeem means to purchase back for oneself. People always say, yeah, amen, but the, most people don't know what redeem means. If you get a coupon in the flyer, in the junk mail, and it says redeem by, that means the grocery store will purchase that back from you. And you'll see the evidence on your bill. That's redemption. That's buying back for oneself. If we are productive with what we've been given, we can purchase time. And God can cause time to work in our favor. And you'll begin to experience an abundance of time. Where once you didn't have enough time, now you'll have an abundance of time. When I was, as I've been here at Lake Church and Pastor Greg asked me to do things, he'll keep asking me to do more things. He'll never say, okay, stop doing that so you can do this. Nope, he's going to give me some more to do. And every time, pastor, I'm telling on you, every time that he does that to me, every time without fail, I'm going, how am I going to do that? I've got so much I'm doing already. And pa this is what pastor will say to you. I don't need you to pray about it. I just need you to do it. Okay? So my answer is, Yes, sir. And so every time without fail, even though I'm, there's a lot on my plate to do and it takes a lot of time, every time I'm submitted to the ministry gift that God has ordained to groom my own so that I must submit in order to grow, every single time without fail when pastor asks me to do something else, which is more, it's never less. The beginning of it is an adjustment period, certainly. Whew, man, there's a lot on the plate. But without fail, you, you begin to do that thing, and you begin to operate in that way, and you begin to discover he's bringing out of me what he already sees is in me so that I can see it. And what started out as a burden, the time was a burden because I, I don't have enough time. Begins to be an asset. Holy cow. The more I'm obedient and submitted to the leading of my pastor. My father in the faith. The more time I have. To accomplish. What I already had to do. It's, it's incredible. Time keeps getting longer. It keeps expanding. I have more time. Now pastor I'm not saying please give me more right now. <laughs> But you understand what I'm saying is because I'm walking in what God has in mind for me, I'm purchasing time for myself to accomplish everything else. Right? You can literally buy time. God can affect and manipulate time for you. Joshua was facing battle against 
several armies that he had ridden through the night to get there. His army was exhausted because they'd marched all night to get to the battle. And Joshua looked at the sun and said, stop. And basically, if you study that out, it says, cease operating the way you normally do. And what happened? God stopped the sun for 24 hours so that Joshua could be victorious. Did he stop the sun? No, because the sun doesn't move. Stop it! Oh, you doctrine police. God stops the sun so that Joshua could be victorious. You know, there's legends of a long day in Chinese mythology, Aztec mythology. Did you know that? Inca mythology. There's a long day in all of them. Just like the Epic of Gilgamesh. You know why? Because it really happened. It really did happen. Then you've got skeptics that say, well, it wasn't actually 24 hours. There's like 40 minutes. All right, well, think about King Hezekiah. And when, he, the, when the prophet Isaiah said, you're going to die, Hezekiah prayed, Lord, I've been faithful. And what, God, what does God do? I've heard your prayer. You get 15 more years. And as proof, you get the shadow on the sundials moved. You guys remember that story? By how much? 40 minutes. Did you know that? They were able to calculate the other 40 minutes. And it's when God stopped time. Hezekiah. What I'm saying to you is, in the time that we have, we must begin doing what it is God has in mind for us to do so that we'll have more time to do it. God can manipulate time for you so that you can be victorious. You don't? All right. God can manipulate time for you so that you can be victorious. Did God actually stop time for Joshua? No, it marches on. But He manipulated it so that Joshua could be victorious. Did God stop time for Hezekiah? No, but He manipulated it so that Hezekiah could be victorious. So, I've got five minutes. You got five more minutes? I had to. I had to say that. We're wasting time. We're wasting time. And I'm not saying that to create a sense of anxiety. But it's so that we can collectively be aware of the urgency. Not the emergency, but the urgency. The sense of where we are in the timeline. That time is short. Well, what if it takes another 200 years, Jesse? Well, stop it. Stop it. It's relative. God does not experience time the way that we do. Neither does Satan. But I'll tell you one thing. Satan knows the plan. Because God revealed it to him through the church. But he doesn't know the details. Otherwise he wouldn't have crucified Jesus. Oh. So the enemy has a glimpse into the plan, so he understands the plan is based on a time limit. So because the enemy sees the time growing short from a standpoint that we don't experience time, in an instant it will be over for him. And so he's throwing Hail Marys. He's pulling out all the stops. He knows the time is short. Whether it's 50 years, whether it's 6 months, whether it's 100 years, it doesn't matter. To him it's an instant. In his estimation, it will be here before you know it. Did you come to torment us before the time? The enemy knows. So how are we wasting time? By not prophesying. We're wasting time by not prophesying over our businesses. We're wasting time by not prophesying over our children. We're wasting time by not releasing faith-filled words. You understand that the Messiah could not have been brought to the earth until the prophet spoke faith-filled words. So I'm going to prophesy. In the name of Jesus Christ, I lose an awareness of the asset of time 
I thank you, Father, for the spirit of truth and revelation so that we can comprehend together, lay a hold of together with all of the body of Christ, the breadth and the depth and the length and the width of your love for us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that we no longer regard time as a burden but an asset and that we change our paradigm of testing But I will be found a good and faithful servant in the name of Jesus Christ. I accept the charge of being accountable and the expectation of being productive with what you've given me, which is everything. God, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. And I loose the spirit of faith upon these people here today in Jesus' name. And I loose prophetic utterance. I loose divine utterance in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that as that opposition begins to come, those accusations begin, accusations begin to come, the spirit of boldness and courage rise up in this body in the name of Jesus Christ and say, that is not the truth, that is not how God sees me, but He has equipped me and empowered me with everything that I need. And as a matter of fact, He'll make time for me to be victorious over you, a defeated enemy. I loose that revelation in Jesus' name. Pastor said one thing on a Wednesday night after, after Pastor Kevin had been speaking. And he said that 2024 is going to be a year of surprise. Do you remember saying that? Anybody here when he said that? When he said that, I'm talking about a shot went off on the inside of me. Because the surprise will be the devil will be shocked at what the church rises up and is able to accomplish. It's going to blow him away. Whoa, 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 whoa! That's the devil. Whoa, 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 whoa! And we're going to be shocked. We're going to be surprised. That's the guy? And the world is going to be surprised when the church doesn't cower down like it did in 2020. The church is going to raise up like a lion. And the world will be surprised. Whoa! And it will cause the church to be victorious. It will cause us to be individually victorious. And ultimately, it will demonstrate and manifest the victory of Christ in the earth. Amen? You guys believe that? Hallelujah. We want to do some more family business before we go. We, can I say her name? or Okay. Uh, a member of our family, Rochelle Harn, you guys know her, uh, has gotten a bad report. One that the enemy is trying to use to run out the clock. But we're going to redeem the time. And we're going to loose health into her body. This prayer cloth has been anointed with oil. And so if Pastor and Karen and uh, uh, Kevin would have joined me up here and Trevor... And Bob, we're going to pray over this cloth and we're going to loose the life of God into this cloth because it is transferable. We see that in accounts of Paul preaching and they would bring their aprons and handkerchiefs. The men would bring their work aprons and lay it while he's preaching. And so the anointing of the utterance would be transferred into that cloth and they would lay the cloths or handkerchiefs on the sick and they would recover and they would be delivered from demonic oppression. There's a biblical principle. Amen. So we're doing that same thing. You guys didn't notice, but I had this in my pocket the whole time while I'm preaching. And so right now in Jesus' name.
In the name of Jesus Christ, we loose life-giving power into this so that when it comes into contact with her body, that healing anointing is transferred in the name of Jesus Christ and it is fully manifest in perfect health, wholeness from the top of her head to the soles of her feet in the name of Jesus Christ. And we rejoice in it because we fully expect it and it's no surprise. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Who do I give that to? So, really quickly, we want to make sure that you guys uh, have enough time for uh, family and what you've got planned for to celebrate the holiday and everything. So, uh, before we dismiss, if there's anything you need to, uh, us to agree with you in prayer about, if you've never been born again, today's the day of salvation. Praise the Lord. If you need to rededicate yourself, man, I need to get it, I need to get it back in, in order. Then God is faithful and just and will agree with you. And that will happen today. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost, praise the Lord. You're going to leave here speaking in tongues. Amen. If you have any need in any way and you're having trouble gaining victory on your own, please, 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 please come and see one of our ministers. And we would love to be in agreement with you and loose that thing into your life in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So with that, Happy New Year, guys.